Hey everyone, back again for the Pop Culture Workshop. Always I'm, fun. Yeah, I'm Kevin Hart. I'm Mike Wimacher. And of course, there's nothing more pop culture-y right now than Stranger Things. Stranger Things is dominating. I've everyone, I feel so so out of the loop because I I haven't watched season four yet, and everyone I know I, there are people watching it backstage at the Muni. Oh, were they? I mean, yeah. <laughs> when it when it dropped, now when it dropped, I was on vacation, so I missed like the initial. Try to stay from from spoilers as much as possible. And we're yeah. going to try to stay away from spoilers as well, uh, but I will kind of give you some of my thoughts because I've seen the entire season. Yeah. Um, it's now over. I don't know if you saw this, Kev. Now over a billion. Hours streamed yeah. worldwide, second only to Squid Game at this point. So season four, and granted, season four has been lengthier uh, yeah. by about five hours in a normal season of, <laughs> of Stranger Things. And the Duffer Brothers have said that the final season, the fifth season, will not be as lengthy as this particular season. Yeah. But I will say for the length and the breadth of the season, like it really, for the first time, really branched out to Stranger Things. You had so many things. You had the the West Coast story. You had the Russian story. You had what was going in Hawkins. You had what was going out in the middle of the desert with Eleven. So a lot of stories that they had woven all together, right? And sometimes, I don't know about you, Kev, when that happens, you get a little apprehensive of, okay, how does this all come together? How are they going to stick the landing? Yeah. Right? And I will say this, to me personally – for all that was going on, the landing stuck so good, like very emotional. There were, and talking to some people, they could have trimmed some fat off the last episode. There were part, parts of that last, last episode. Are you a Lord of the Rings fan at all, Kev? Have you seen I've the only movie? seen the movies once. Right. Then. But, I mean, Return of the King, the final in that trilogy, a lot of people are like, oh, it's over. But then there was like, but there's this other thing. Oh, now it's over. No, there's this other thing. Like they kept uh-huh. showing all the different characters kind of going back. And that's kind of the feeling I got at some point in the last Stranger Things episode of this season of there was a conclusion that you felt was a conclusion. And then you would, you, I hit the pause button and I'm like, oh, there's still another 25 minutes left of this episode. Yeah. Of like trying. And there was emotional parts to it. But some of those emotional parts probably could have been cut. But that's a very slight nitpicky thing on this right. season. I think especially with something as long as what would be a movie, um, the way movies are, I guess, generally structured. I say generally because there's, what, how many thousands, millions of movies out there where it's <laughs> not the same. But there is sort of like a natural stopping point when you get to a movie after, like, you know, the falling action and the climax. I mean... You know, there, there, there. For some things, you know, needs to be an epilogue, especially if it's the last in a yeah series, um, last in a season, even. But um, yeah, I can see. I mean, it's it's what two and a half hours long. Or yeah, something? about two half, like two twenty five around there. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel that long, and that's been... that's that's what I've heard from everybody. They're like it really it because it's so exciting and it's so um the you know you're, you're is... so into it. Yeah, and that's that, and that's the thing too that. I, I enjoyed and you know talking with some other people and getting different perspective of what they like what they didn't like that pacing of you had so many intertwining stories and the Duffer Brothers did a fantastic job along with a couple of the other directors that directed some of these episodes of they would bring you in to the middle of a scene 
and the scene would go, and then right at what you think you know is going to happen, they would cut to the different story. And so you're always kind of on the edge of the seat going, okay, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? What's going to happen with this? Um, So, yeah, they, they, to me, they nailed the landing. Some things happened in the last episode that I know have upset some fans. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it in case you have not watched it. But if you are a fan listening to the Pop Culture Workshop podcast, you know what I'm talking about. It's pretty obvious. We'll see. There's a lot of theories now, and that's the beauty of Stranger Things, right? And the length you have to wait in between seasons of. All these fan theories come out of like deep dives into backgrounds of certain type of Dungeon and Dragons character because that plays such a big key in the season of, okay, and it's just a lot of it born of you don't want to let go of certain characters that you really identify with. Yeah, that's and that that's not a problem that's exclusive to Stranger Things. Every movie and TV series, (laughs) you know, a character turns evil or dies or something and you're like, ah. Why, you know, why that does, does Barb come back? No, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> um, no, but you do see Barb for a split second oh, uh, at some point in the, in season four. Uh, in the first half of season four, there's a situation that arises with Nancy and she's interacting with Vecna and Vecna trying to play with her mind. Barb does show up. Mm. So you get, you get you get your Barb. If you're a Barb fan, you get a little bit of Barb. R.I.P. Barb. Justice R. for Barb. Um so yeah, so that so Stranger Things is is like uh, right now at the the peak Stranger Thingsness. You're gonna hear a lot of people talking about it. I think for the next couple of weeks still, as people kind of digest that as a full series. Now the Duffer Brothers have said they're taking the month of July off and they're going into the writing room in August to write season five. They already have the ending. They say they know the last twenty minutes. They're gonna yeah. work back from there. When that's gonna hit, we don't know when season five hits, but we know it's gonna be the last season. The interesting thing to come out of it also is the announcement from the Duffer Brothers of Upside Down Pictures, their own production company. Yeah. And so they're actually going to be sponsoring, and, and you may enjoy this, Kev, a a live stage adaptation. I saw that. Of Stranger Things. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see how, what they do, if that is going to come out after season five. Does that come out in the interim? Is kind of almost like, hey, here's a quick little recap in an hour and a half form of what transpired over the past four seasons. I wonder if it'll be like a very um, serious adaptation of it or if it's like a little shop of horrors or Toxic Avenger the musical where it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, how how they go about it will be interesting. So you have that. They've also talked about uh, a spinoff show from Stranger Things. We don't know what that entails. They're going to be spinoff in we get a backstory of a different character, like Murray. Does he get his own backstory show? I think that'd be fascinating. Yeah. I don't know if everyone will. Or will we get like what The Walking Dead has done? Will they build out a bigger universe of this wasn't just happening in Hawkins? I was gonna maybe say maybe the same phenomenon. If it's if it's it's somewhere else in the country or in the world or a different time period where that all the sorts of things happening with the upside down. Yes. So that that'll be interesting to see where they go from there. And obviously then too they're going to go into movies. Yeah. I, I believe at some point you're going to see them write a movie. Now, I don't know if it's going to take part in the Stranger Things universe. They they obviously will have other stories to tell. So the fact that they have their own production company now and Upside Down Pictures, I think immediately everyone thinks, oh, all Stranger Things stuff. But I think you'll see the Duffer Brothers branch out at some yeah. point. It is the Pop Culture Workshop. I'm resetting here uh, with, with Mike and Kevin. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Kevin... Kevin Smith. Are you a fan? Oh, yeah. Kevin Smith is a good guy. Uh, I'm, I've been a fan of Kevin Smith 
from way back in the day. I'm not going to say that I was in from Clerks. Mallrats is my gateway into yeah. him. And then I went back and watched Clerks. I bring up Clerks because earlier this week, the Clerks 3 trailer dropped. And this may be the lengthiest trilogy ever, uh, starting in, you know, 1994 is where you had Clerks, yeah. to now in 2022, we are finally getting the third of this trilogy. Which is one of the last movies I expected to see a trailer for. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Clerks 3. Yeah. Like, out of nowhere, it's like, here comes a Clerks 3. And this one seems to be really meta, right? And what what people may not realize, uh, if if you grew up with Clerks, right? Kind of like I I did. Like it was '94 was in my wheelhouse. I was in high school, and so as these movie of, movies have come out, I've been a, able to identify with the growth and where each character is at within their life, yeah. and that's been the beauty of this of this Clerks trilogy is the fact that you're, you're following these guys through all their life, and it's parallel, depending on your age, of where you are in your particular life. And it's also basically biographical Kevin Smith. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like the first Clerks he shot in the—it's his, basically his story, yeah. right, of, of being a clerk. Clerks 2 is the search for love and contentment. And at that time, he, you know, Kevin Smith had just gotten married, had a kid. So there was that. And now this Clerks 3 trailer, I don't know if you've seen it, Kev, but within the trailer, the character of Randall suffers a heart attack and near death, which we know Kevin Smith himself suffered that. And it's born out of that is Randall wants to make a movie about his life of being a clerk. And so there's a movie being made within the movie, and there's the typical nods in the trailer of, like, you know, they're they're trying to get people to read for the parts. And, of course, Ben Affleck shows up. Matt Damon show up. <laughs> is trying to get, you know, in this cast in this particular movie. So it's going to be interesting to see the what transpires. It's only going to be in theaters for, like, two nights. It's a special two-night engagement, and then it's going to be on video on demand. But for a guy who grew up with those characters – even watch, even owned the Clerks animated show on DVD, which that that's a pretty big yeah, nerd. That's, that's yeah. a nerd flex extraordinaire by me I right there. I forgot there was a Clerks cartoon. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the Japanese bear driving people around. <laughs> oh no, bear! Um, but yeah, I, I look forward to it to see how this story ends of these two particular characters that, yeah. that we've known for years now of Dante and Randall. So I'm I'm highly looking forward to that play out and to see what transpires there. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin Smith, um, it's, as you said, obviously very passionate about this. Uh, very clearly a, a passion project for him to put. Um, He's kind of gone that way ever since Cop Out, right? I'm going to get nerdy here. Yeah. But that's what, this po- that's what this podcast is about. Oh, yes. Ever since Cop Out, when he tried to hit it big with that buddy com with Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis, and it didn't really hit. It's a, been a lot of passion projects yeah. for him. You know, Yoga Hosers, not oh, a great boy. movie. But yeah, was, Yoga Hosers is, it's, I like Kevin Smith, but that movie is bad. Yeah, but it was like a passion project oh, yeah. for his daughter. And and so he made the next Jay and Silent Bob movie, which I watched on Amazon Prime, which is a passion project. He's got a new horror anthology, Kilroy was here, that's going to be NFT. So mm. he's been able to build this kind of view askew universe empire and be able to kind of pick and choose. I think there's a lot of directors that wish they could be like that. While he has yeah. not found the critical success 
that many would have liked if you're doing just passion projects. He's been able to find his own way and find his own niche. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that wish they could have that. So. Oh, yeah. He does what he does for a living, and he loves doing it. I mean, yeah. Can't, I mean, can't get much better than that. <laughs> no, exactly. So uh, looking forward to that in September. And something else I'm looking forward to, Kev, in theaters finally this weekend, Thor, Thor Love, and Love and Thunder. Thunder. Now, right now, getting very mixed reviews. Mm. Uh, I believe after just talking to Eric Davis from Fandango.com, which, by the way, shameless plug alert, ding, ding, ding. AM, 8 AM. That's right. Let's talk arts entertainment. You get the full Eric Davis interview. Uh, only 69% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And from what I'm understanding is tonally this movie takes a lot of big swings. And it almost is too much. It almost is one of those things where it doesn't know what it wants to be at times. Oh. To where there's there's still that that comedy, right, that Taka Waititi brought to Thor Ragnarok. There's that, that absurdist comedy, Korg's in it, and all of that. But there are some darker tones that they that they may not mix in as fluidly as you would want in this particular yeah. film. That that's the big criticism. Well, there's no way it can be worse than uh, Thor two. So right, right. <laughs> there, there is that, and and generally, uh, you know, Eric says he thinks it deserves higher praise. And generally, it's an enjoyable movie experience, right? If you liked Ragnarok, you're gonna like this movie. It's oh, not. Yeah. It doesn't take that immediate turn where it's like all of a sudden becomes a walk in November or whatever that, or walk to remember with yeah. Mandy Moore, where it's it, it, that kind of tonal shift. It doesn't go that route. Uh, it, there is a lot of light and airy parts to it. From what I understand, too, with Christian Bale, you know you're going to get a guy who gets into a role. He, he I'm surprised he didn't, um, it didn't inject himself to make his skin yeah, that, gray. Like, that gray color because he's, yeah, he's done some horrifying body transformations to do roles. I mean, he, he like. Wasn't it was it pie or what was the one movie that he did? The, he did that boxing movie where he was like really skinny. Yes, and then he put on a bunch of weight to play Dick Cheney. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He, so he's a guy, and that that's a thing. I think most people forget about your favorite superhero movies probably have a very complex villain. Yeah. Right, rather than just like oh, I'm bad, eh. it's like I mean, one of my favorites is the original Spider-Man and Willem Dafoe, who is an amazing actor and an amazing Green Goblin, is very much I'll get you, Spider-Man. But you there's know. depth to that, no, right? There's depth to it because he's like he's sort of a father figure to him, but not really. And right, that's you know. the thing. There's depth to the confliction there, and Gore the God Butcher, from from what I understand has that as well. From what I heard from Eric Davis, the movie actually opens with him and there's a trauma that happens. Mm. And that's what most heroes or villains are born out of, right? It's how you handle that particular trauma that comes your way. So Gore the God Butcher is going to be an interesting villain. Obviously, with the name God Butcher, you know what he's trying to do. He's trying to... So, there's, so he's trying to kill all the gods. So how does Thor interact there? Um, if you're going in expecting to get a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy... You're not going to get no. like I'm a huge Guardians fan. They're in it, but just enough to make you go, "Oh, I miss but, those guys." Well, well, good luck because I mean, not good luck, but you are in luck because I bet them showing up there is them saying, "Hey, you know, in a little bit we'll have another Guardians movie for well, you to watch." Right? Then that's basically while it makes sense in continuity because of what happened at the end of Endgame, it is very much a teaser of 
don't forget, Guardians comes out on Disney Plus with a holiday special. And next year, March or May 5th, they kick off the summer schedule with the new Guardians movie. So yeah. it's enough for you to go, God, I miss them, right? And the interaction between Pratt and Hemsworth as Thor and Star-Lord is priceless. Oh, yeah. So you're going to get that. The most interesting thing to me is the relationship between Portman and Hemsworth, right? Jane Foster, yeah. who's now Mighty Thor, will find out how and why in the movie. But the first two Thor movies, the chemistry between those two was eh not, at best. Not really there, especially in the second one where she kind of like isn't really in it. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of eh at best. So you wonder what it is. And all the reviews I'm reading is the chemistry in this particular movie is vastly improved. Good. It couldn't get any worse though, right? <laughs> but, but, but I mean, Taka Waititi gives the character of Jane Foster more freedom and more things to do, which is good because it's Natalie Portman. She has range. She's a great actress. Yeah. So it's it's nice to hear that there's going to be that chemistry between those two to get you invested in their relationship. And apparently, according to, to Eric Davis, they actually do a flashback to what the relationship was previously and show kind of behind the scenes of how chaotic it was to be dating a Norse god. Yeah. And they do it in a rom-com, like, montage fashion. So, yeah, see? The look on yeah. your face right there. Immediately you put a smile like, that's Taco That's Wattini. funny. That's yeah. funny. So, that'll be some of the levity within the movie. How it will do in the box office, I imagine it'll be number one. I'm, it's going to make a lot of money, I'm sure. But the staying power is going to be the question mark. Yeah. Right? What is the word of mouth going to be? The reviews early on are 69, 68%. So will it have a staying power enough to get it to? I don't. I, let's face facts. Top Gun Maverick is going to be the movie this. Top Gun's going to be the movie. Um, no one's going to beat that. Minions but, will be a contender. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, where where is it going to fall as opposed to Multiverse of Madness? And how close does Thor: Love and Thunder get to Top Gun Maverick? Yeah. I think that's that's the I mean that's what it's shooting for, right? I mean, you want to Top Gun Maverick is number 1, Thor: Love and Thunder is hoping to be the second best movie of the summer. Yeah. Will it be? I don't know. It doesn't really have a lot to deal with next week. Yeah. Um the 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 Crawdads movie thing or whatever they call the Crawdads, it's a book based on a book that's very popular with adults. I don't read either. I see the look in your face. <laughs> I don't read um, either. No, that's funny. Um, uh, but I don't know what you're talking about at all. And Paws of Fury looks Pause like of a, Fury, yeah. it has a great voice cast but looks awful. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll discuss more next week. But nothing until Nope. That's true. Yeah. Nope comes out July 22nd. So there's a couple of weeks where Thor Love and Thunder is going to kind of run unopposed. We'll see how it does. Week one, I think we obviously know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's, will it have that staying power into week two? Will it be number one two weeks in a row? And what will those numbers look yeah. like is the biggest question. Yeah. Well, I wanted to see Minions, but I forgot my suit at home. So. Oh, yeah. The Gentle Minions? <laughs> yeah, the Gentle Minions. Yeah. That are being banned in some theaters from coming in, which what, is weird. What the like, kids wear a suit to see Minions? minions? Come yeah, on. exactly. Come like, on now. It's, it's not like the, like the Joker movie where they're like, well, these weirdo kids are going to come in the theater. And it's like, no. No, these are the gentle minions. Let, yes. them, wear, let, them, let them wear their let, suits. Let them wear their suits. Yeah, come on now, theater chains. So, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see what happens with the numbers for Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, but I know it's it's right now on pace to do quite well for itself. Wonderful. Shocking to no one. Yeah. Anything else to add there, Kev? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I watched uh, 
This, I watched Toxic Avenger the other week, which oh. I had not seen in a long, long time. That's coming back around, I it's think. A, it's what a goofy the, movie. Yeah, it is. It is. Are you caught up on Ms. Marvel? No. Or Ms. Marvel? I want to get... I need to catch up with it. You but do. as as you as you know, I'm just my free time is very few and far between. Yes. In these past couple of weeks. Yes. Um but same shameless plug for this if you're listening whenever you're listening to this, if you're listening before uh Saturday, July 9th, uh in pop in the uh Let's Talk Arts Entertainment on the Miss Marvel front, Aramis Knight, I have a chance to talk with him. He plays Karim, who is a member of the Red Daggers. Mm. Um, okay. So I have a chance to talk to him, and that interview will also be played during the uh, episode on Saturday, July 9th of uh, the Let's Talk Arts Entertainment at 8 a.m. Very good. Listen in, everybody.